1: Hour number two here of Cody and Gold, Sixton Sports Radio, 610Sports.com. Cody tap with you. Nick Schwartz on the other side of the glass. No Alex Gold. He's got the day off. We'll all be back tomorrow. We're expected any minute to be joined by Nate Taylor over at The Athletic. I had told you that um, we'd go out to hear from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid later in the show today. That will not be occurring now. The Chiefs have canceled their media availability today quote, out of respect for DeMar Hamlin, his family, and the Buffalo Bills organization. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will instead talk tomorrow to the media, so we'll hear from them the first time then. So, no no Andy and no Patrick today. They'll talk tomorrow. As I think everyone kind of uh, with anticipation um, waits for uh, what what news, if any, comes for DeMar Hamlin today? As obviously we all are still talking today about the very scary circumstances that took place last night in the game between Cincinnati and Buffalo where DeMar Hamlin was hurt on what seemed like, I think this is always the scary part, right? It seemed like, like a pretty pretty normal play. Like T. Higgins runs into him, pretty standard tackle, but as we know at the speed those guys are going, Anything can happen, and that's what happened, it seemed like, last night to DeMar Hamlin, where he was resuscitated on the field after going into cardiac arrest and then was transferred to the University of Cincinnati Hospital, where he's still currently in critical condition, according to the most recent reports. There have been no current updates on his status, just a statement from DeMar Hamlin's family. There was a release a few minutes ago, um, emphasizing their gratitude, compassion, and generosity that they've experienced from everyone during obviously this very trying time. We'll talk about that more coming up here with Nate Taylor of The Athletic coming up in just a minute as well as what um, is currently going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, like it was just like even more, Nick, it's like I know when we're having serious conversation, when we have these conversations, even off air where they continue a little bit, because I don't think that there's an easy way to break this down. Um, like I don't think there's an easy way to have the conversation no matter what, because you're used to this circumstance. It's crazy the things you can get used to in sport, the things you're used to seeing. Like how many times they'll uh, they'll show a replay of a guy, I don't know, like Kevin Ware's leg, right? Like they'll they'll show that stuff over and over and over again and how like kind of numb to the normal part of sports comes with injuries, injuries sometimes look scary. Uh, sometimes guys like Alex Smith's injury can lead to very serious consequences where you might lose a leg or, you know, like you you even kind of grow numb to the notion of the things that it could occur. But it was, in the worst possible way, a perfect storm last night of kind of what you talked about, Nick, where it's this standalone Monday night football game against two of the best teams in the NFL and a game that was supposed to mean a lot from an NFL standing perspective, and instead, here on a Tuesday, the only conversation we're having is about whether or not DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay, and the NFL's response to what happened with DeMar Hamlin. And I think that that, that's going to continue to kind of stick with us for a bit because it's not an easy thing, I think, for the rest of the NFL to move on. I think I've heard a couple of people talk about it over the course of it, and a couple of the guys in the ESPN, that at least – The way sports work, it feels like you're designed to compartmentalize, at least, right? This is 2022, or this is the 2022 season. It's not 2023, right? Everything is in this. This is a group that a very specific thing happens to, and then we get to do it. But I don't know. I mean, I'm really... I don't know if the NFL is going to make a decision today. And I know that if they do, they're going to wait as long as they possibly can because I think they're hoping for good news from Demar Hamlin today, knowing that things are moving and that, you know that things are moving in a
2: good. well direction. that's that's the other part of it is can you make any decision? Well I, you could always if you if you choose to cancel the game and just not play it or, and whatever that would mean, like right, is it the bill's forfeiting? Is it uh, the game being a draw? if you can even do that whatever whatever that is. if you're not playing the game, you could do that at any point in time. Uh, can you make a decision to move forward with a game without any update on his status? Like if he just remains in critical condition, well, what if doesn't goes, worsen, doesn't improve, yeah. can you can you make a decision today and say, you know we're, we're gonna play the game?
1: Here's the problem is how long do you let that string play out, I Nick? Don't know. I mean, this is a series of things. It could be two weeks before you have it. you know, like we don't know the answer is coming today. This is the thing we're used to in sports is that normally by the day you do have an answer, right? Has feeling and all that, whatever it is, right? Whatever the injuries that have occurred before, typically to this point, we'd had some sort of answer about improvement or like, you know, whatever. And in this case, we don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's like, I, I kind of go back to the thing I talked about earlier that happened on the morning show where Derek Johnson was talking about playing right after the Javon Belcher incident. It's... The NFL to this point in their history has always found some way to just keep chugging along, right? Like eventually it becomes about the game again and not about, you know, I know that today and last night people weren't treating it that way, nor should they. But the NFL, the sport, the entity, they will eventually make a decision, Nick, whether they get an update on DeMar Hamlin's health or not. They have a, they'll set a personal deadline for when they have to make a decision. If they haven't already. As you've pointed out, it still very clearly feels like it should be the Buffalo Bills' decision. If the Bills say we'll play Cincinnati tomorrow, that's what the whole team decided, because that's it. You have to convince an entire team of people. You have to convince 70 people in a room together, right? Everybody on a practice squad, everybody on a roster, every coach, 120 people, Nick. You have to convince, hey, we have to come to this decision together. Not one of us can make this. Every, like Of all the times you say that as an NFL coach, this is one of those moments where it's like, no, there's no, like, we have to decide this uni- unilaterally. Because if there's some holdout here, then we can't continue to play this game. We can't keep playing it. We just have to take the draw and forget about the opposite side of that because those are the things that occur in those moments. You, you will have to, and the NFL will at some point, be stuck in a situation where they have to make a decision one way or the other. And it's terrifying because – Right now, everyone's just kind of waiting to find out if DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay. Because as of last night, there hasn't been, like there hasn't been an update, if that makes sense. And that's, again, that's why I think the Chiefs canceled their media availability today. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid won't speak today. and They were scheduled to speak today, and I think the reason why they won't is because they, like every team, every NFL team, every NFL entity wants to know more before they're, asked to speak exactly what's taking place nate taylor he joins us now from the athletic nate i don't know if you did get the email or not but just so you know the chiefs have canceled their media availability yeah you were driving so i didn't want to like
3: throw you in and you
1: didn't know that
3: um i I live fairly close to the station so i did see it right as i was in my car getting ready to, to drive over so yeah um that had kind of been permeating this morning so it doesn't Completely surprised me um, for the reasons that you yeah. given earlier. Um, but even today, it's like um, I think I'm gonna make a. Yeah, it's just like, do I need to write a new story about the Chiefs today in any capacity? And the answer is no. Um, so that's what it. Yeah, yeah I don't there's disagree. No, with there's, you. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, there's no need. Um, and look, I you know, obviously I was hearing you guys in the car on the on the short drive over. Um, and, and again, thanks for having me on. But the NFL needs to recognize and realize that they have all they have is time. Like they're they do they don't need to rush. Um we all have to keep DeMar Hamlin's, you know, health at the forefront of all this. And so Um, take as much time as necessary. Like if you got to move the schedule around, like it will be understandable as to why you made that decision, but they don't need to rush anything. And then of course, and I'm sure you guys have mentioned it earlier. Um, I wake up and obviously you go through and try to see if there's anything. Cause I, I tried to stand up or tried to stay up as long as I could last night. But that was sort of emotionally drained so when the yeah ho- same. when the university of cincinnati's hospital said that no update they're not going to give an update I, I i was just like i gotta go to bed like i don't feel great and waking up today it's just like you, it, it sort of dawns on me because i booked all this on sunday night knowing how the nfl operates the week 18 schedule and coming to realize that the next game scheduled for the NFL this Saturday between the Chiefs and the Raiders at three thirty Eastern time. Um and what will be of that. So the NFL has time. They're definitely gonna want multiple updates, not just one. they're they're gonna want yeah. multiple updates about DeMar Hamlin's um health, but it's just it's heartbreaking and it's uh I mean yeah. It's it's not.
1: Feels like it's going to impact the rest of the NFL season, right? I
3: and mean, this is going to
1: loom over the. Yeah, I mean, it can It affects two of the most important teams it, in the NFL playoffs.
3: And it's gonna. It's just gonna alter careers. Um, you know, moving forward, whether it's T. Higgins. Yeah. Guy God, on, <sighs> that's a tough one too. It's the, like he just did a normal thing. He
1: yeah, ran towards a player.
3: No, it, that's that's one of the hard things in life to to live with and to go through is an unfortunate situation that you could not have foreseen. And also there's not like this immediate sign of guilt or blame. It's just the sport is inherently violent and you play the sport to the best of your ability and you
1: try to make it as safe as you can,
3: but there's a limit. Exactly. And um, you just, you just don't know. And it's particularly unfortunate um, that it happened in that fashion and that we all saw it I mean it's a it's a nationally televised game um, so if they move the schedule back um, and I mean that for all teams not just oh and no, Buffalo uh, if the you know if they move these Saturday games or this whole week 18 slate like who knows but if they do that um, it's because this is so um, so abnormal to just anything that we've ever sort of experienced since the sport has become the most popular sport in America. It's, um, it's it's just it's just utterly heartbreaking.
1: What do you what do you think they'll do? Do you think they'll just have Cincinnati and Buffalo play tomorrow? Do you think they'll just call it a tie? Do you think they'll move the entire Week 18 slate and take away that bye before the Super? Like what what do you actually think the NFL will do?
3: In previous moments. And and I I haven't looked this up yet, but when 911 occurred, yeah. they moved obviously everything back a week. Is is that correct? Yeah. Which meant that that Super Bowl that year was a one week lead up, not a two week lead up. And that was probably that was primarily because this is a televised sporting event or televised league, like it is it is a function of like the television schedule in the country as much as the NFL's own business. Um, and how they construct their own schedule. So there's a possibility that they could do that. Um, if you wanted to move everything back, including the Super Bowl run-up still being two weeks, that would move the Super Bowl past Valentine's Day. Which you could do. Yeah, because you have time. Um,
1: I mean, the cities that are hosting these things, I imagine if you give them a five-, six-week run-up, I get it, man. People spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They get a hotel room. You are asking people to completely alter their life. in the NFL...
3: But we is, just we just saw the most life altering yeah, play that's in, it. in NFL history that you could argue.
1: Like, could you imagine complaining about that? Like, oh, I mean, I gotta rebook my flight. I'm like, come on, man. Like,
3: yeah, I just, sorry. Like, I mean, the reason why I say careers are going to be altered is because again, there's nothing that T. Higgins did wrong. There's nothing. There's nothing. Demar Hamlin did wrong. But. His heart had to be restored on the playing surface in front of millions of people. No one has ever experienced that in the NFL's history. Um, so, my initial thought was like, man, this just reminds me so much of the Ryan Shazier, yeah. know, the way his career ended, and your and and then and then it gets even grimmer um, because you see just the the response that I think is going to have a traumatic cumulative effect on guys and coaches moving forward. So I don't, I don't think it's responsible. I don't think it was reasonable to ask the Bengals and the bills to play Thursday or Friday. Like it's probably you. Like, I just want the NFL to realize that like time is not an issue here. Like you got plenty of it. Yeah. And but I are think they
1: going to feel that way. Cause like that's so hard to, because I'm, I still I'm think that I still think that Troy Vincent is full of it.
3: Well, he and, has to say that nonsense yeah, today.
1: But we know that they were gonna put him back out on that field. Correct. And the coaches clearly said, we're not gonna
3: do that. Because they saw their players and said, like, the look on everybody's face yeah. that I can sort of, you know, crystallize into like one question was just, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Like, that's the look on everybody's face. It's just we know that the sport is risky. We know that the sport is violent. We know that that is part of the entertainment value, is that it is violent. But it's not supposed to be this violent. So the question then becomes, what are we supposed to do? And if you're asking that, and they're saying five to ten minute warm-up, treat it like it's a lightning delay or whatever, if the coach realizes that they're, they're asking that, the players are asking that, and then I'm asking, what am I supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? They made the right decision, even though time told them not to, which was take take some time, discuss it together. This doesn't feel comfortable or reasonable or even humane, right? This doesn't feel humane. Yeah. So let's go back inside. Let's sort of experience our emotions as teammates, as the fraternity that is the NFL. And then let's get Roger Goodell on the phone. Let's get the player association on the phone. Why didn't he
1: show up on video? Why didn't he talk last night? I understand he released a statement, but shouldn't he have talked?
3: He's on the phone with multiple people last night. And I understand, I understand your point. And they're trying to figure out the logistics as best they can for a situation that is in the rule book, but you can't foresee these particular details. As to like why this is in the rule book to begin with. It would have been beneficial had he found some way to um get on you know, most times you get on the phone, right? Like David Stern sure. when the um malice in the palace occurred, like he got like his first sort of response was, was, like, on the phone, yeah. was to get on the phone with like ESPN, uh, who was obviously their television partner at the time. Same and with the still NFL. Is. Could
1: have been on with Scott Van Pelt
3: and yep. Brian Clark last night. That that's probably the best quickest, you know, sort of option I think that would, would have been reasonable was to get Roger Goodell on the phone to sort of give some um, transparency as to, like, how they're reacting to this, how they're trying to find some form of the best possible solutions, and obviously, how did they, you know, get... How do they get DeMar Hamlin um, as as the best, as, as, as his family has said, the most exceptional best treatment possible, and thank goodness that the University of Cincinnati's hospital was um, per ESPN's report was two minutes, two miles, excuse me, two miles yeah. away from the stadium. Um, But yeah, it's just like, you have time. I'm urging the NFL to just say that like, you have time. Like there's no, no, there's no, there's no countdown to you have to make a decision by this, this, this time or that time, or like, you know, the mechanisms of how the schedule is going to play out. Like you just have time. Um, And what, Damar Hamlin needs this time to hopefully have his body heal as best possible, which is um which is obviously why today is mostly today is really about him and just his the state of his health and as we pray and hope that it improves. Um but for the business of the NFL, like, they have time. Like they don't they don't have to rush really anything, in my opinion.
1: I just wonder, you know, because I don't. I don't disagree. They they do. They can take as much because the easiest thing ever would be like, okay, you guys can play Sunday, and everyone else will play next Saturday and Sunday. Same schedule, but different day, and mm-hmm. then we'll move that's, everything that's, back a week. We yeah. can do whatever we I mean, want.
3: You could, you could do. You could. There's so many options. I just and think that, it that that that's a fair. But that here's might the, be a good one. But
1: here's the thing. I I will listen to if I were the NFL, what Buffalo wants to do. Hey, man. Here are, hey, Buffalo, here are the three or four options we're really working through. What do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. Because I, that to me is, you don't want to come out of this thing like you didn't even listen to them. Like maybe they do want to play, and they're just going to call it a draw, right? And they're like, no, we would have played. And if they said the whole team all comes together, every coach, every player, and they says they want to play, I'm not here to tell them they can't, mm-hmm. right? I'm not here to tell them they shouldn't. Like I, or I don't. If Demar yeah. Hamlin's family
2: yeah. comes out and gives their
1: blessing, yeah. Like yeah. I told him earlier, like yeah. I don't tell people how to grieve. Uh huh. If they all want to – if this is the thing they need in this moment to come together, they're like, we can't be sitting around thinking about Demar for the next week while the NFL asks us to play a game. We want to just play now. Yeah. Then who am I to tell them they can't play now?
3: And and look, it's really up to. It's, I, I think it's really up to both teams, but obviously you 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 give preference to the Bills to the Bills. <sighs> Something that I think. I will wrestle with for the remainder of today and I don't know for how long but just I just want to remind people that like Stefan Diggs knows he's a leader on the team. Yeah. Knows he's supposed to do something um to get his teammates in the right frame of mind. He knows, ladies and gentlemen, that Demar Hamlin's heartbeat had to be restored on the yeah. playing surface. Not like heartbeat was they were pretty much not, shielding yes the view from, the for for everybody from. else so they had they didn't get to get shielded from it he knows he's crying because his teammate heartbeat had to be restored and yet because he has accepted the inherent risk of this sport feels the need after the team goes through the whole circle and prayer, for the safety and the well-being of their teammate, their brother, essentially their family member, um, he has to then, Stefan Diggs has to say, we need to play for him. We need to play like if, like if it's our last play. Like he's motivating them because he's been through enough injuries in his own career to realize they probably want us to continue playing. And then for that message to then be sort of received and then be put back to Sean McDermott, like, are you comfortable with this? Like, the, the conflict and the struggle of, this is what the sport does. We move on. We continue to play in honor of those that have been injured in the same game or in previous games. And at the same time, this ain't the same. This, ain't, this isn't an injury that is anywhere similar to
1: this. I think the, magnet, yeah, the magnitude of the game really – because this, again, it would have been bad no matter what. This is such a serious situation. It could have happened a noon game against two losing teams, yep. and it would still be a huge national story. But, it, but Monday Night Football – Bill Cincinnati, the most anticipated game of the week. Maybe one of the most. Of the
3: season, I believe. Based on how the season building.
1: Probably, Mm -hmm. yeah. Because the one seed was on the line. This is the two best teams. Two of the best teams in the AFC. Two of the best teams in the NFL. The three best teams in the NFL all reside in the AFC. Like, this doesn't affect Kansas City from like a, I'm sure it does. I'm sure you watch that and get scared. But, Mm -hmm. like, it had an impact. It had a massive, like, football NFL impact. So everybody was watching. That's yeah. what happened. Like yes. because of everything Every, that yes. it mattered, everyone was watching that game. Uh-huh. We were all tuned in to watch it. And at the moment, it seemed it seemed like such a normal tackle, and it seemed borderline innocuous at the moment because he fell back. And your first
3: thought is, "Oh, concussion. That can't be good." Right. Lost or con- or my f- I, I thought about Ryan Shazier. I'm like, "Is there something?"
1: Yeah. Where you lose motor control?
3: Yes, that that was my that was that was my initial thought, which is again, um, wild to think about too. Like, my reaction can be that, and then then you're telling me it's even worse than than that.
1: And yeah. it's like, yeah, or at least scary. You know, like, yeah, it, it sounds like I don't remember. I think it was Ryan Clark who was talking about it on. Uh, Sports Center last night. But he he was really describing it well. As a player who has nearly lost his life on an mm-hmm. NFL football field. Yep. So I'm not sure someone could understand better the circumstances. He played <sighs> NFL. He had a bunch of teammates playing in the NFL and he almost died. Yep. Playing NFL football.
3: Mm-hmm. Because of a thing
1: he didn't know was a problem and then became a problem, obviously very seriously, and lost an organ as a result of it and all the thi- look, and he got to continue his NFL football he career. Did. He did. Some guys do, some guys don't. And is, you know, like when you point out the, like the way he described it is sometimes it's weird because like as an NFL player or as a fan, you're conditioned as if they're on the backboard and they give you a thumbs up. You're like, oh, okay. And you're like, I mean, it's not okay. No, it's never, There's it's still, never
3: okay. But
1: but you take that as a like, they'll live. Right. And in this case, we still don't know that that's the answer. Mm-hmm. We still don't know if DeMar Hamlin's gonna be Okay. The last report is he is in, he is sedated in critical care. We don't know anything
3: beyond that. Man, and and, and um, guys usually go to the hospital after the game if it's like a serious issue, and that's what Ryan Clark talked about as well. It was yeah. like teammates coming to visit him after they had played and saying like we like we like we want you to be okay like we we played for you we love you we we you know we don't want to carry on without you like they didn't have another play last night and stephon diggs is again going from i got to say something cuz i'm a leader and the guys look to me and i understand that the gravity of this moment like we might keep playing, so I I need to say something as like a leader. And at the same time, an hour and a half later, being one of the first teammates to try to get into the hospital to see how Damar Hamlin is doing. It's just, we've never, like, we just, again, we've just never seen something like this. We've never experienced anything like this. It is utterly tragic and just cruelly heartbreaking. But the fans, like, I I understand, like, we all love the sport and it's a great sport. But, like, fans can only get so close. And that's why you need um, the experiences and the viewpoints from someone like Ryan Clark to make it understandable and to try to translate it for, for us that can only see it from a distance. I mean... I know it's a
1: media thing, but it's like it was a good dichotomy because Ryan Clark did it, and SVP was taking it from just like you and I. Yeah, I'm a human being who makes money off of the NFL because, you know, yeah. the same as like I consume it, watch it like anyone else. I understand it's dangerous. I get paid to talk about it sometimes. Or you get paid to write about it. It felt like a good yeah balance of it's, it's okay to react this way.
3: Yeah, and 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 also for you know for Booger McFarland to he to, was great to say like. No, it's it's okay not to play. Like, he was the totally first person okay. on the
1: broadcast to be like, "We can be done here."
3: Yeah, it's like it's okay. Yeah. Like it's it's okay to like we don't have to keep playing. Like it's just there's no again there's no there's no need. Um, we have time. Let's worry about the person who's in cardiac arrest going to the hospital. Um, Who you had to watch be resuscitated in front of you? I just I just think it's going to have it's going to alter so many lives and so many careers um because to my understanding there just really hasn't been anything like it in in the modernized version of the nfl there have been players if you want to go way way back who have played football in a much older gruesomer like barbaric state of the sport who died and some of these players were mostly college students yeah. Um, well, the
1: NFL's done a lot to try to make the sport safer. They do try to do that.
3: You got to try to do something, but also there's a they're never going to get it right. They're never going to get it like they're never going to get it uh, proofed.
1: There was nothing weird about what happened in that game last mm. night. There's not some new piece of technology or equipment or, nope. you know, like that was just football. Yep. He just tackled T. Higgins.
3: And as a result
1: of that, went into cardiac arrest. It wasn't. Yep. There wasn't anything abnormal about it, I guess, is what I would say.
3: No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, I, I can, I, I agree. Like, and by the way, it was, a, it was, you know, these are minor details, but, um, I don't feel like T. Higgins led with his head, and did anything that was malicious oh. towards Demar Hamlin, and I believe Demar Hamlin, given the leverage and the position he was in, did about as good as he could do to wrap up T. Higgins and bring him to the ground. It's in a violent manner, sure, because they're playing in football. A, such a fast rate that people have no idea. You're stood on an NFL sideline, you realize just how quick it is, they're all. It is it is it is it's a you know, some people have said, "Well, it's a car crash." And like they, you know, like and I kind of laugh at that cuz I'm like, "I've been in a car crash and yeah, that ain't it. That's that what you are watching." I saw
1: you right after that car crash. That's not a car crash.
3: <laughs> like, I really did. Yeah, yeah, we, you know. And so um I've been I've been in a car crash. That ain't that ain't NFL football so uh, you know as much as we can try to again translate it to people who have never played the sport or are people who are obviously invested and interested and want to know as as much as they can and you know we we have you know we have a duty and a privilege in a lot of ways to interview these players to um, you know get a real sense of what they're going through obviously the competitive nature of it the strategic you know hey why are you? Why is the team doing well? Why is the team struggling? Obviously, we can identify that and pare that down to a single player, but this—I mean, Damar Hamlin did. I thought he did a—I uh, mean, again, and that's 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 an extra part of the tragedy. It's like, and we're that scary. Like, if I you don't just—yeah, yeah. I don't feel like anybody's wrong. No, and that sometimes is the hardest grief and the trauma to to live with and to experience. Is like, you did nothing wrong, and he's in the hospital, and. Don't know. We just don't know, because again, I'm not a medical expert, and we only have so much information. Yeah. And that information needs to be as accurate as possible. But based on the information that we have, like we don't know, as you said earlier, Cody, um, what is going to be Demar Hamlin's future, both in the immediate and in the long term. And I just, it's it's just it's just heart heartbreaking because I just like there's no. You can't associate guilt or fault to anybody.
1: Look, no,
3: it's just it's just incredibly tragic.
1: Nate, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in. Um, we'll talk Chiefs football next week. How about that? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, both in the micro and the macro, man. Exactly. A lot still to know about what comes next from the NFL, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, sometime here soon, we'll get good news on Demar Hamlin as well. When we come back, we'll get you to the Chiefs for right half hour next.
0: This is Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gant Asphalt & Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gann Asphalt & Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Royals First Basement slash NFL Insider, Vinny Pasquantino. This football season with Cody and Gold.
3: My Twitter is about to unload a football <laughs> tweets. First jets
0: game that I have free on Sunday. It's it's go time. Six ten sports radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's better over here. Only at T Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtus, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Chiefs Red Half Hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all new Greenway Ford. A reminder: no Chiefs availability today. We were scheduled to go out to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at eleven twenty or one twenty, but that has been canceled today. They've said they've uh, they want to take the the availability off the table today, obviously for very good reasons, out of respect for Demar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills organization. Both of them will talk tomorrow. I know this is normally Tuesday, Wednesday. On the short week Tuesdays when we expect to hear from them, but that'll actually be tomorrow now. Um, at a I saw some of Tomlin's comments as well. We can play those a little bit later in the show, but it's a Chiefs right half hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw in the game. Um, I really thought about something, Nick. We recorded a podcast, uh, it's always game day in Kansas City. We recorded on Sunday night right after the game, and I really thought about a conversation we had because I think my mind got changed in the moment. And I wanted to really think about it the way it was. Because my initial thought was, after Chris Jones closed out his fifth game of the season for the Chiefs, my initial thought, Nick, was, you can't keep living like this. You can't just keep counting on this one guy to save your ass every game, right? And then in a live moment when you and I were having a conversation, I realized how unfair that was and came to this conclusion. A defense can work waiting for Chris Jones to save their ass. Because it is no different than what we ask of Patrick Mahomes when things are needed. Nick, if there's two minutes left in a game and the Chiefs need a touchdown to go down in school, what do we ask? The best player to have their best moment. We ask Patrick Mahomes to go down on that field and have his moment. Show up. Do big things and win a football game. Shouldn't it be the same for Chris Jones? This is I've been always looking at this as a negative. It's a negative thing that the only guy who can help the Chiefs close out games is Chris Jones. He's the guy who consistently does it. When they need that play, when it's tight, when it's down to the wire, oh, here it is, Chris Jones to the save again. I thought of it as a negative Wait, for excuse, the entire year. How,
2: how? In what world is that a negative? Because I was
1: thinking uh, it's not. I've changed my mind on it. Yeah, but why were you ever? The reason why I thought of it negatively is it felt like, I think in the way I even described it in this, it felt like, Every, it's, it felt like the other four guys in the court waiting for LeBron to score. And I'm like, you know, you got to do something here, too. Like, it felt like I'm like, where's Dana's moment? Where's Clark's moment? Where's Sneeds or McDuffie's? Like, I understand that other guys like Jalen Watson had the pick six against the Chargers. That saved a game. But I was, like, in my brain thinking, this needs to be more of a shared responsibility, Nick, so that in the playoffs, they don't have to just rely on one guy to help them win a game defensively. But anymore now, I'm like, no, I want the best players to play their best in the biggest moments. And that's what Chris Jones has consistently done this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's been the one consistently putting teams away. But remember, uh, Tripp McDuffie had the sack, the forced fumble, recovered by George Karloftis. Colin Saunders had a huge sack late in that game where he came up big. It's just been Jones has been the one who consistently is putting teams away late in the fourth quarter, third down, gotta it's have situation. It's always it like situations. the final drive, man. Right, and you look back at that game, and you could say, well, how'd you let the Broncos put up 24 on you? Well, I'll tell you how. Uh, first off, you threw a touchdown in the end zone. That's not on the defense. You muffed a punt, which gave the Broncos first and goal inside the five-yard line. That's, That's not bad. on the defense. You gifted them seven points. You don't do that then we're talking about this game being a 17-point game late instead of a 10-point game late. To and where if they when score, instead of throw that pick, still it's, it's 34-17. It's a blowout. Right. And, so, yeah. and then you can talk about the missed field goal, and you can talk about the... Missed extra point. Missed extra point. So there were a lot of points left on the field that would have made this game much, much different down the stretch to the point where you wouldn't have needed a clutch sack by Chris Jones to close out the game. So... I'm with you that you would like to see more guys step up, but given how that game played out, I don't think this is the week where you should be super critical of the Chiefs' defense, who I feel like did everything that you would want them to do. It's
1: weird. It's like similar to the last Broncos game, like yards per play. Good. And I thought the Broncos had a better offensive game plan than they ever had under Hackett. You know why? They Actually put Russell Wilson outside the pocket. They Actually moved him around, Nick. That's when Russell Wilson can be better. And they still hold them down to what would be league worst averages in yards per play and all those things. They have too many first downs, too many, too many third down. You know, right? Too many first downs. Right. That would probably be my one big complaint. But they got turnovers, Nick. Right. They 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 did some of the things you want good defensive efforts to be. Got four more sacks. Four more sacks. Like it's it's part of it is like I I guess I. And you know you're like, how could you have ever viewed that as a negative? But it's just like, I never viewed or I did a bad job of viewing defense as being the same as I want the best offensive. You know, I always want there to be a couple defensive players because it feels like one great defensive player can't save your defense. T.J. Watt had a million sacks last year, right, or two years. And and their defense points per game-wise still rank like 20th. Like, one individual great player. Well, oh, it's
2: the idea of not putting all your eggs into one basket, not needing to live or die yeah. by one player's performance. I understand that because it feels unsustainable.
1: Because we don't, we think of the, the Dallas Cowboys pass rush, and they are only two sacks behind them, man. They are one of the premium sack teams in the NFL. It's weird. It's weird to say that. They're not one of the premium defenses, but being one of the premium sack teams in the NFL, you know what that does, Nick? It does what Chris Jones is doing. It wins games. If it weren't for Chris Jones late in those moments, the Chiefs probably have an extra loss. Maybe two, Nick, right? But at least one. Chris doesn't show up. They take on that one more loss of the two or the three seed. They're about where they should be based on a defense that has struggled for a majority of the year, and we kind of go on to the next thing. The other part of this is maybe somebody is emerging. Because as much as this is about Chris Jones and that, I think we can now definitively say, I'll raise your hand, please, if you object. This is your moment. Text line 913-586-7610. George Karloff, this is the Chiefs' second-best pass rusher. Your guy, Nick, Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie
2: is— Which, by the way, during the game, the Chiefs— I don't know how, if this is new or if, if it was just noticed for the first time on Sunday. During the game, the Chiefs' coaching staff was constantly holding up these like fluorescent yellow signs okay. that were signaling something to the team. And at one point, uh, there were two signs right next to each other. The first sign said P.O. The next sign said R.G. What do you think it stood for? There's only one logical Port? conclusion. That's Porge. What... <laughs> Short for Porgy. You think they're shortening Porgy? Well, yeah, because it's Porge is just one syllable. And you would need a third sign to do Porgy. Be too much. Yeah.
1: So yeah. your your current hypothesis is that the Chiefs have adopted Porgy. Yes. Georgie
2: Porgy putting Yes, that. yes. I, I believe that to be the case. Okay.
1: Well, I guess then we'll have to
2: get an update on that. The guy's red hot, man. He has five consecutive games with the sack? Four out of the last five. Four out of the last five. So four out of the last five. And a fumble recovery on Sunday.
1: He now has five, and he's starting to knock down passes, by the way, over the last five games as well. The five and a half sacks ranks him third amongst rookies. It had been second in the entire NFL in rookie sacks last year. And let me be very clear. If you are a five and a half, six and a half rookie sack guy, you are likely not not 100%, but you are likely to develop into a double-digit sack guy, aren't you? That's just the way the NFL works. Double-digit sack guys don't just show up year one. That's very uncommon, as a matter of fact. Instead, because, by the way, there will not be a single double-digit sack guy this year. Even the number one pass rushers in the NFL, Aiden Hutchinson, is unlikely to finish with double-digit sacks this year. He will be a double-digit sack player in the NFL, and it's feeling that way with Karloftis. It's coming at a fantastic time.
2: Well, you're talking about him. We don't being, have to say banking on on f- Dano or Clark anymore. Tied for fifth in Chiefs history for most sacks in a rookie season. The only guys who've had more than his five and a half, right? He's tied with uh, Justin Houston. Pretty gonna be a pretty good player. Five and a half right now with one game to go. Derek Thomas had ten. Jared Allen had nine. Tom Bahali had eight. Art, still in 1978, had six and a half. Those are the four players with more sacks in the rookie year than George Karloftis.
1: So those are just all, did you just name like four Ring of Honor players? Yeah. I mean, just real quick, Justin Houston, do we think he'll end up in the Ring of Honor? He had like 50, 60 sacks in his Kansas City career. I do believe that to be the case. Okay, so Ring of Honor, Jared Allen, Ring of Honor, Art. It's like you just named them all. You just named like the four best pass rushers in Kansas City Chiefs history. Without
2: mentioning Chris Jones, who didn't have... Like, he had more – think about that. He had he has more sacks in his rookie year than Chris Jones, who was not a full-time starter his rookie season.
1: No, Chris – yes. Chris Jones finished with two sacks his rookie year, had six and a half his second year before ballooning to 15 and a half. I'm telling you, man, six sack guys in their rookie year are double-digit sack NFL players. This might be a bigger conversation outside of Karloftis, but this draft looks like a hit, right? Did you get the steel defensive end at the end of the first round? Did you get the steel corner at twenty-one? Well, did you get? With,
2: did you get the steel corners in the fourth and well, the seventh? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Here is the thing with Karloftis: is this position was so deep at, in this draft. You got to just a guy there. like Karloftis who yeah. two weeks before the draft we were seeing mocks that had him going top fifteen, right? Like fringe top yeah. ten pick. But because there are so many guys, you are comparing one to the next. He happened to be the casualty, the guy who fell down the draft board because there were other dudes who teams felt like had higher potential. But the Chiefs got a guy who might end up being one of the best players at his position at the end of the draft. That is a high potential guy. This isn't just someone you reached on who you thought, well, we just need a pass rusher and he's the best available. It's no, we could have been picking 16th and we might have taken him or we would have considered taking him. Yeah. So this is not some sort of an anomaly. I can't believe the Chiefs ended up getting him.
1: No, it's not. But because of the depth of the position, I thought it muddied the waters, if that makes sense, Nick, right? Like we were having conversations the, in the entire draft leading up to it, right? Who Essentially, who is the right guy to take? Like we knew that Trevon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson were going to the top. By the way, he's got more sacks than Walker. We knew that Kayvon Thibodeau was going to go in the top ten. He's got more sacks than him, too, by the way. We knew that. But then, let's say all the other guys. Jordan Davis, right? We didn't know where he was going to land. He ended up going 13. We didn't know where Quay Walker was going to go. We didn't know where Jermaine Johnson. We didn't know. There were so many names tossed in there. Or a Binks guy, Arnold Ibechidi, right? We didn't, know where those, we didn't know where anybody was going to go. It was kind of a wash, Nick, in my opinion. And they didn't miss. Like, that's a position, and I'll be honest, I have been openly critical of Brett Veach about his ability to draft pass rushers because he's been the Chiefs GM for a number of years. At this point, the best pass rusher he had drafted was Michael Dana, a, like, three-sack guy, right? That was the best one he had come up with. He had traded away first-round picks to get Frank Clark. He had done what he needed to do at pass rush to keep moving along. He was lucky Chris Jones was on the roster. So I didn't know between that and wide receiver and corner, if there was like, and corner I, I wasn't worried about because he kept getting guys no matter in the draft. Like, LeJerry's Snead might end up being the best value pick from a couple of years ago because he plays a premium position and plays it at a really good level. But it's, it, it'd have been easy to mess that up, I guess is the point. And they seemingly got one of the best pass rushers in the rookie class instead.
2: Yeah, and it's coming at a great time, so this feels like kind of a win-win. Yeah, like you think about some of the other guys who we talked about. Daxton Hill, who I – Oh, my God, I hated that. He's like not right? playing at all. Um, at all. Yeah, Kyrie Elam, who was deactivated a few weeks ago by the Bills. Like it could have went a lot worse with names that we were excited about. Like, hey, maybe they'll, they'll get this kid from Michigan. Maybe they'll get this kid from Florida. It feels like the Chiefs got the two guys you would have most like if you could do a redraft. You would be thankful like George Karloftis. If you could do a redraft, is not falling to the end of the first round. He's probably a top twenty pick.
1: I'm not totally sure McDuffie is either. His size will scare teams off,
2: but he's been but if you knew really he was going to be this solid,
1: good, yeah. If you knew he'd hold up against, because that's the thing, like you mentioned about Kyrie Elam, he was a healthy scratch, right? Like, he wasn't, he wasn't an injury scratch. He got scratched because they're like, hey, we're not going to call you up today, which means he's on the fringe of the 53. Trent McDuffie is the Chiefs' best, second-best corner? I mean, I understand that LeGarrius Sneed is the answer probably there. By the way, is Dax Nill hurt? I was just looking that up. He's got nine tackles on the season. I don't feel like he's played very much. Doesn't matter, but that's beyond the point. But I really do think that this is coming at maybe a near-perfect time. Cutting tap Nick Short with you coming up in about ten minutes. We will get to what's trending and tell you any updates we might have on Demar Hamlin as we're still awaiting more on the NFL or anything that might occur in what took place last night in the Bills and Bengals game. But there was a there was a thing that even I've been on board with during the NFL season with the Chiefs this year that I don't think was fair from this last game. Nick, prepare for a, for a shift. I have complained, as a you, as many of others, the Chiefs' unwillingness to run. The Chiefs in this last game did not run the ball very much. And guess what? This time, I don't care. I know that that sounds a bit um, flip-floppy, if you want to call it. Doesn't matter. The simple reality is, in that game in particular, watch it again and tell me that the Chiefs didn't essentially run running offense. They threw it inside of 10 yards so many times. They throw it to Jarek McKinnon at times, like he is a part of the rushing attack, but just through the air. To me, this was not the game to complain about the run pass ratio because I saw a commitment to the short yardage offense that existed. I know in each individual game we can certainly have a different argument, but did this one feel different to anybody else? Nine one three five eight six seven six ten.
2: Did it feel different to you, Nick? No, because, because I didn't I've never that cared. game no, You never because I have never. You go back and listen to the tape. Do you ever recall me one well, time ever saying the Chiefs should run the ball more? No. No, I don't care. You still don't care? No, because here's one thing that I won't do. I won't do it. I'll never do it. And I don't care. You You can feel free to do it. You listening can feel free to do it on Twitter. Feel free to do whatever you want. I don't care how anybody else wants to be a fan. I am never play call guy. I do not. That's not your thing. I don't. I mean, in the rare instances, I think the only time I've been critical of the play calling is when the Chiefs went for the fake, uh, the fake punt with Tony. Oh, Johnson. I hate that. Ugh. That was the only time I've been God, critical of the play calling. I don't care. I don't care if we are going to. And I get what people say. Hey, you know what? Nobody is immune to being criticized, right? If you get too, like, if you get too uh, cute or you overthink things near the goal line, we're allowed to be critical. Yeah, you are. You can do whatever you want. Nick's not so work. can I, and I choose to never do that because I couldn't call one damn NFL play. So who am I to sit here from the couch and say, "Hey, you should have called a run there," or like, "Hey, you should have given the ball to Kelsey there. Why didn't you go for? Why didn't you run the mesh? Why didn't you run a shallow cross?" <laughs> I like that you're just naming the only maddening. Yeah, I feel like such a, yeah, like such a douchebag Sorry. saying that sort of stuff. I was at the <laughs> game on Sunday, and there was a guy behind me, a Chiefs fan. Who said when Mahomes? There was a play in the first half. Mahomes was sitting back in the pocket. And the guy behind me literally during the play yells, Pass the ball. I think he's trying. I think he's going to get to it. He's thinking eventually. That's... I think he's considered that option. There was another time when the chiefs did run the ball. They handed it off to Pacheco. He got like stuffed at the line of scrimmage. It was like a one yard gain. And the same guy screams at Andy Reid. He goes, what the hell was that call? Reed. I'm never going to allow myself to come close to becoming that guy. That man. Is that your
1: fear? Your fear yes. is that if you criticize one play call, you become that guy. Yes. Yes. The guy who's mad occasionally when a running play doesn't work?
2: Yeah, and by the way, after after yelling past the ball on the very next play in between the next two plays, he said, "Run the ball." He screamed it the same tone, "Run the ball." So, I don't want to become that guy, that guy uh, should not ever be allowed back into Arrowhead Stadium. He's the worst. Well, he's worse. Like a stretch. He's worse than people tweeting at recruits for picking other schools. I actually believe that. I believe that man belongs You realize in jail. you're
1: describing some of the scourge of earth, right? The people who yell it Seventeen-year-old kids because they didn't choose the school they like.
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, you guys, <laughs> were you in section like one twenty? No, I was in section. Like, were you in section? <laughs> no, I wasn't. But that guy was yelling loud, so you probably heard him. He was right behind me. Like, what I, section
1: were you in? Just for anybody who might have been sitting near you at that time,
2: I think it was one nineteen. One nineteen. It was a good section. Yeah, I was on, like the fifty-yard line, like thirty rows up. Um, so they were quality seats. And that man didn't deserve them, okay? <laughs> he didn't deserve them. Dude, when he you yeah, when you have the odd Oh, yeah, dude. You want to know the worst? Now we're just going to talk about this guy. You want to know the worst thing he did right after Mahomes threw the pick in the end zone? You know, all, all the audible groans in the stadium. Yeah, we're all like, ah, ah, damn it, man. Like, everybody wanted points there. And he has the nerve, because we're behind the Chiefs' sideline, as the team's running off the field, to scream, Figure it out, Mahomes! That one's on you! That one's on you! <laughs> Uh, How dare you? Uh. This man is going to win MVP, probably running away. It's probably not. He's going to get probably 47 of the 50 MVP votes. And you have the nerve to yell, that one's on you. I mean, was it on Mahomes? I mean, yes, of course it was on him. (laughs) I don't think you, sir, need to remind him of that. He probably You uncultured swine. I hope you're listening. You should be ashamed of yourself. I hope that you end up next to this guy in an airplane. <laughs> I would recognize him. I would recognize, <laughs> recognize him. You'd recognize him? Oh yeah, because I, I turned around a couple times just to kind of look at him. I was like, "I'm looking at you. I'm not just <laughs> gonna. I'm not gonna face. awkwardly just wonder what you look like. I'm gonna turn around and look you in the face. You pig! Man, strong, strong moment. I mean, I told you what happened. Aren't you not disgusted?
1: I mean, I would have preferred not to be behind that person if, if given that choice. Yeah. I don't know. Disgusted, feel strong. I wasn't sitting right next to the guy, but
2: I've never been yelled at the TV guy, and that's yelling real life guy and yelling crazy things. I mean, he's trying to yell loud enough so that the team hears him, but they're not—they're not, they're not going to listen. Like Mahomes is sitting there in the locker and like, room,
1: and he does—he does the this one. He looks at the guy, points at him, and does the chest. Needed that the chest pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, it was on me. <laughs> You're right. If that's how it went down in the game, it'd be the most remarkable thing to ever occur in a game again. When we come back here on Cody and Gold, this was yet another game that showed some similar problems for the Chiefs. Is it too late to fix them?